me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I had the honor and privilege to speak with a legendary vocalist, one of my personal all-time favorites. He is the singer of Armor Saint and the former singer of Anthrax. I'm talking about none other than the legendary John Bush. I speak to him about his illustrious career with both bands as well as of course Metallica specifically being asked to be their singer back in the early 80s. I asked him for tour stories when Armored Saints supported them on the Ride the Lightning tour and I asked him all about performing with the band at their 30th anniversary shows plus so much more. Please be sure to check out the brand new Armored Saint album Punching the Sky out on Metal Blade Records October 23rd. From what I have heard so far, it is great. They have released two tracks so far, and they both are fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of the album. They're also having a virtual record release party live from the Whiskey A Go-Go on Saturday, October 10th. So be sure to check that out. All details can be found on armorsaints.com. So please check it out. And here is my interview with the legendary... John Bush. My guest today is one of the all-time greats in the history of heavy metal with a voice that is distinctly his own. As the vocalist of Armored Saint and the former singer of Anthrax, he has fronted two legendary metal bands. This October, the legacy of Armored Saint continues to grow with the release of their new album, Punching the Sky, out everywhere on October 23rd. And the band will also be celebrating its release with a live virtual record release party on Saturday, October 10th. Please welcome to Metallicast, John Bush. What up? How's it going, Brandon? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you so much uh, for doing this, and uh, it is. Thank you a, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm a real big fan of your work, so it's a real honor having you on. And I gotta say, I've heard the first two tracks off "Punching the Sky" that you guys have released so far, "Standing on the Shoulders of Giants" and "End of the Attention Span," and I think they just sound really great. Appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Those are uh, you know the two videos that we've released so far. And uh, we're getting great vibes and, you know, we're we're excited about our record. It's it's been five years. That's kind of the increments that we've been working lately. Um, so not too quickly, but um, I think the materials is very strong. So I'm happy about that part. Awesome. I'm really looking forward to hearing the rest of it. And I definitely want to talk more about it, uh, but I would like to travel back in time for a few moments if you are willing. Uh, yes, let's do it. I'll get in the time machine. I have very good, <laughs> I have very good long term memory. I probably awesome. couldn't answer what I did like two hours ago, but uh, you know, I could. But I guess that's what goes first, right? So they said. So, you know, obviously, the Armored Saint gets started in, I believe it was 1982. You guys seem to have 
got off to like a really quick start in a way. You have an EP from Metal Blade. You sign with Chrysalis Records. March of the Saint comes out in 84. And I, I'm, I'm sure this is not one of the first questions you expected to get on a, a Metallica podcast, no less. But is it true that in 1984 you appeared in a Huey Lewis in the News music video? This is true. I, <laughs> I am in the heart of rock and roll. It's a cool song from Huey. Yeah, uh, he was cool. He, you know, he, he has this kind of this this cool uh, history because he, he did some work with Thin Lizzy, which would automatically right. make anyone cool. And um, and I was it was prior to March of the Saint coming out. Huey Lewis had his record Sports Out. That was a very big record. And uh, because we were on the label, uh, they were making this video and they needed this kind of rock star guy to come out of this limo. And, right. Um, and. I, my our A and R guy at the time, Ron Fair, I guess pushed for me to do it, but figured it would be helpful for us, and we we're on the same label, and sure. and there's the connection, and um, so I did it. I it was they put me in way too much makeup, which you know is a little embarrassing, but um, uh, I did wear my outfit at the time, my stage outfit, yeah, and um, I get out of the car, and my hair is all crazy, and um. And then the girl gets out behind me and shakes her butt. And it's a, you know, it's a great scene. And uh, it was a lot of fun. The guys were very nice. And um, that was a huge record for a Huey. You know, it was uh, sports was a really it was a cool record. It had some some big songs on it. And uh, so it's part of my part of my illustrious history. Awesome. I, I came across that and I was like, that's such an interesting tidbit. I have to ask it up front before I forget. <laughs> well, it is true. Uh, so around this time like 83 84 uh the story goes you are approached about being the singer of metallica i actually had john zazula on the podcast uh not too long ago and i asked him about this so i'm curious to just to hear the story from your perspective oh so we got to see if our stories line up here right <laughs> <laughs> timeline the funniest thing about the weirdest thing about john zazula let me just go forward a little bit is that yeah. You know, this he would call me and was hitting me up about Metallica. And then, you know, I'll tell you about that. But then like it was it was like ten years to the year, I wouldn't say by the month and certainly not by the day, but ten years later, when all of a sudden I came home and I, I had this message on my my answering machine, which of course I had then. Right. And I hit play and it was you have a uh, this is John Zazula's um assistant or something he would like to speak to you and you know i was like oh my god and this was you know shortly after joey belladonna was uh, released uh, of anthrax so i was yeah. laughing going um i wonder what he's calling about you know and we hadn't talked since then yeah like nothing no communication wow. at all uh you know it's a shame because armored saint never actually opened for anthrax which it would have been cool if we did but we never did but in any case um but uh, yeah, so he would call me and um, I don't, you know, I want to say, I don't really, I, you know, I want to say 82, but maybe, maybe it was in 83 because um, we started really like kind of doing a lot of shows towards the end of part of 82 and um, was kind of getting a vibe going. And I remember seeing Metallica at the Troubadour. And I want to say it was the latter part of 82. And I feel yeah. like they weren't, I don't know, it was it was either the, the beginning of 83 or the, the latter part of 82. So I can't remember exactly when, but um, I'd say roughly in that time frame. And, um, you know, they were 
it was definitely pre Kill 'em All because um, they wanted me to sing on that record. That was the gotcha. talk. So, um, so they hadn't recorded that yet. And as a matter of fact, I think they were on the verge of getting ready to to go to New York to to begin recording that. So, um, I, I you would know being the man of, in charge of this podcast, you would know that time frame. But I would say early '83 is probably when they that, they were getting ready to record that. That sounds right. Kill 'em All, I believe, came out in May of '83. So, oh, it came out May, so maybe it was before. It could that, have been actually. like end of '82. Yeah, that sounds probably more likely then. So, yeah, you know, it would. It, I mean, they were they were talking about getting a singer. Yeah, they liked me, and um, you know, the thing I always I always tell everybody because it's I have to explain the story. We'll be explaining it for the rest of my life, and because um, <laughs> of course, you know, he's the guy who passed on being the biggest band in the world it really wasn't quite like that but sure. it's still it's still the truth you know and, and to some degree um of course what i always tell people is that armored saint was like doing well we were getting really popular in the scene and and we were starting to really get a buzz and yeah. and the fact that armored saint and all the members um well certainly me joey and gonzo and phil of course because gonzo and phil brothers of course we we grew up together so at that point, we were all 1920, right? And and we met each other for when we were like nine years old. So at that point, we still had almost a 10 year relationship. At sure. you know, at that point, at that point was a long relationship. Let alone the fact. Well, now we've known each other forever, but um, but at that point, we still had almost a decade of being friends. You know, so right. um, so we were doing well and doing great, and of course, the new Metallica, and I thought they were cool, but like. It was, it was, for me, it was seemed kind of an easy choice because I wasn't ready to leave my band to go join sure. another band. Yeah. I was happy in my band. I was flattered and, of course, you know, like I said, complimented by it. But I didn't want to leave my band that was starting to do really well that I was a bunch of friends with. So it, it never, it never really like, admit, I knew that, of course, Metallica had this vibe as well, and especially in Europe and yeah. all the fanzines and the, 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 the tapes that were sent out, but it just didn't really, it was like, Oh yeah. Well, Oh yeah. It's a no brainer. It wasn't like, it wasn't like this was offered to me, you know, after injustice for all, right. you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. this is, this is very early on in, in both bands sure. uh, existence. So um, that's what I always explain is that for me, it just, um, it seemed kind of easy to say, well, I'm, I'm happy in my band. Thanks a lot guys. Appreciate it. And, you know, I'll see you around. And, and yes, we did. We end up playing more shows together and then, of course, tour together after that. But yeah. And, yeah. That, and that makes total sense. And we got a little preview if we fast forward a bit to 2011. Metallica had their 30th anniversary shows and you were asked to perform with uh, the band. Can you recall how that came to be? Do they I'm assuming they reached out to you to be part of that? Yes. Um, I forgot who actually. um said something to me uh, to prep me for that but somebody said that you know they for one they wanted armored saint to open one of the shows which was really cool oh, wow. and then they asked and then they asked if i wanted to do a song you know based on this this history circumstance and yeah. um and i was like yeah of, of course so <laughs> um it, you know the logical choice was a f song from the first album because of the the whole story right. um and, uh, you know, I wanted to do something that was a little different, but also, you know, popular enough. And of course, sure. the four horsemen is a very popular song. 
Um, but it's not, you know, seek and destroy or, you know, whiplash per se. It was a little off, a little bit. And I thought that was a cool choice. And actually in Anthrax, at one point we covered, um, what was it? Uh, Shoot, now escapes me. Um, What song was it? It was from that album, Drawing a Blank. Here's the long-term memory that's I bragged about. Um, uh, oh, it, what song was it? Oh, come on, tell me this. It wasn't No Remorse. It was... Um, was it Motor Breath? No, it wasn't Motor Breath. Shoot, I'm totally drawing a blank Phantom here. Lord? Uh, uh, Fan- Phantom Lord? Phantom Yeah. Yes, it was Phantom Lord. So, um, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> oh, God, this is embarrassing. <laughs> but, sorry. Anyways... So we did that. So I didn't want to do that because I was sure. like, oh, I did that. And right. so um, in any case, it was Four Horsemen. And uh, and that was really a special that was just a special night period yeah. for Saint. And and then my wife and I went up there and we actually, you know, we invited two really close friends of ours. And, oh, awesome. you know, the, the whole night with, with Lou Reed and, you know, King yeah. Diamond and yeah, yeah. and all the people that were just there that night it was just, and, you know, Kid Rock. And it was just really cool. And um just to be part of that whole thing, what they did was just really special all four nights, of course. Yeah. And so doing that was, was quite an honor. And I just have like this really beautiful memory of that night. And it was, it was fun. It did. Yeah, it was killer. It sounded great. The, I guess they hadn't played that whole version for a long time to yeah. kind of cut the middle part. Right. So they had to play the whole, they decided to play the whole song. And um, it was, you know, it was a great magical moment on stage. And, um, you know, I wanted to do it justice. And I thought I sang it pretty well. And it was a great night. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, I believe it was on the Ride the Lightning tour that Armored Saint toured with Metallica, I believe along with Wasp. Any good memories or stories that you can recall that you can share from that tour? Uh, uh, many memories from that. Uh, you know, it was it was a great tour. It was uh, to this day a lot of people still speak about that tour. Um, you know, it was it was really cool. I think Wasp dropped off maybe the last week week and a half of the tour. So we did like Texas and then the West Coast, just the two of us, Metallica and Saint. Um, we played the Hollywood Palladium, which was a great gig. And for whatever reason, because we were local to L.A., you know, we decided not we or somebody decided that right. we should close that show. And um, big mistake, really big mistake. So, you know, we're the support act the whole tour. And here in L.A., our hometown, we're going to flip it. And, um, you know, following Metallica is just I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I don't care who you are. And um, 
So it just didn't it didn't fare so well. It was it was still a good gig, but you know we should yeah. have went on before then. And the irony is that we played the night before in San Diego, and that was a crazy gig. I think the barricade broke, and it was a smaller club. But there was a bunch of writers there from Kerrang Magazine at the time who came out to see the tour, and they you know that show they came to, and and we tore it up in San Diego. I'm not implying that we you know blew them off by any means, but we just did really well. And then they were all just like what the heck armored saying oh my god like we did not expect that and then the next night was the palladium so they were all prepared and then metallica just <laughs> destroyed and then we had to follow that and they're like yeah bad decision but um and it was kind of written that way but um in any case that was a great memory i mean there's so many we we had the the show in buffalo new york which i was actually just talking about to somebody today earlier where we played and then it got snowed in because there's a blizzard we had to right. stay in this hotel for like two or three days <laughs> finally got a police escort out of town so there was a lot of debauchery that was happening there <laughs> <Sure>. and um, <laughs> it was like something out of the shining it was really weird you know it was all right. snowed in yeah. um and you know we i remember <laughs> this is not the, this maybe i get in trouble for this one but i remember we played the agora in hartford uh, because there used to be one there and um Metallica Wasp flipped every night or flipped like it was for a while. I think Metallica was closing. And then for some reason it, they flipped it, which again, bad decision. But, um, but then like, I feel like Wasp was playing and we were all watching them on stage. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys in St. Metallica and this guy in the crowd was just, he had to sign in that said blacky ballless socks. And he kept holding it up during their show. Right. And, you know, I mean, of course, everyone's going to anyone would be super pissed about that. Needless yeah. to say, Blackie was not happy. And but the dude was relentless. <laughs> and then we were just laughing. And then he looked over and gave us this look of death of, you know, like he wanted to kill us with his axe base or whatever it was, you know, throw meat at us. And um, and we felt like, oh, my God, like we got to get out of here. So I remember this thing. I'm sorry, Blackie. I'm just using tell this as a story i think wasp was a great band and you know they were great on that tour but um they shouldn't have flipped with metallica that was a big mistake as well but yeah. uh you know those are just a few stories pulling the alarm at a hotel i think in denver um <laughs> where we had to all i think james pulled the fire alarm we all had to leave the hotel and um i think he, joe, he threw joey's red leather jacket black leather red, red leather jacket like off the balcony of like the 12th floor and Joey had to go retrieve it and he had to, yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, lots of funny stories. Uh, um, so I want to fast forward slightly from Amr Saint to, to your time with Anthrax. Um, I do not want this interview to go by without saying that uh, I love the Joey Belladonna era, but the John Bush era of Anthrax for me was my entry point and uh, my personal favorite, Sound of White Noise is my personal favorite Anthrax album. Um, James Heffield is on record calling the song only a perfect song. I'm just curious to hear um, sort of your memories of making that album and kind of making the change from Arm and Saint over to Anthrax. Well, yeah, I was, it was weird. I made back-to-back -back records with Dave Jordan. Um, and that was, you know, really cool because he's amazing and uh, producer and you know, we made Symbol Salvation. And then of course I ended up going and leaving to go to Anthrax and then make that record, right. um, Sound of White Noise. So it was really cool to, to be able to do that. Cause I love Dave and 
he made a lot of amazing records, you know, Allison Chains and Jane's Addiction. So yeah. to, to work with him was actually probably very lucky for me because it created kind of a comfortable environment because I just worked with him. Um, and um, so we made white, you know, we went in to start writing. And I think the theory is for me, um, you know, what, because at first I was kind of reluctant to leave uh, Armored Saint again to join Anthrax. I, I, you know, there's this weird, like, blood oath for saint that it's right. just yeah. it's like the mob you can't leave it you know kind of thing <laughs> but um yeah I, I felt guilty and i felt terrible I, I think in retrospect i think it was the right decision for my life mm-hmm. but um it wasn't easy like ah oh, i'm out of here you know it just <laughs> right. wasn't but it didn't come to that but it, i i think it was the right decision but um but you know then i i think the key was is like can we can we create together i mean it's you know, I didn't want to just kind of come in and say, you're the singer. This is what you because I knew Scott was the primary lyricist. Sure. And, you know, I was like, I'm cool with that, but I would like to participate. I don't want to just, you know, be told what to do. It'd be fun if I was involved. Right. And they were like, yes, we welcome that. And and so we we're like, well, let's, you know, let's write and let's work on let's see what we can do. And and really, they obviously had the music and some of the lyrics were only in. And then we kind of finished it off. I think I wrote maybe the B section or whatever. And yeah. we did it. We did it all really quickly. And it was like, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty awesome. And <laughs> it just had this kind of sound of sounding very new and very right. fresh. And um, and I think it, you know, it just was. And um, so once we did that, it was like, well, I guess we can write together. because <laughs> We just wrote like an amazing track here, which sure. probably is to this day, you know, my most popular song of being associated with anthrax yeah. so um so i think that was it. and then you know that just got the ball rolling and, and i started writing songs and you know a lot of them were already done at least musically probably that charlie had and yeah i think you know charlie was just ready to propel his style so forward and um uh, you know we were we it was the 90s and it was changing and we was morphing and right. and everybody was you know i say we gravitated to that and i say that would be you know not to try to you know, I, I, I don't want to like I don't want to offend any 80s diehards. I love it, too. We're all you know, it's always going to be there. But it was a new decade and it was a new time. Yeah. And, um, and we were ready to kind of go in with it. And there was some cool bands like Soundgarden, Allison Chains and Faith No More and all these groups that were just killing it and, and inspiring. So um, it was it was fun to go that route, too, and to say, let's this. And you got a new singer. Makes sense to kind of push it forward and we did right, and yeah. it's weird why love people a lot of people love that record and it was a record that probably it, it was almost ahead of its time in some weird way so um but i think a lot of people that affected them in a real positive way especially if you're younger and that was your introduction to the band we got a ton of airplay on mtv with the video and um it was it was just it was raging yeah i i bet like i said for me that was my entry point and then i you know went back and rediscovered the 80s stuff but it's almost two two different bands in a way but i really like that about the history of anthrax how you know did they did their thing with joey belladonna when they are now and you know they had something really unique and special with you as well yeah you know like i've said to people recently is that at the time we kept you know people say sounds like a new band sounds like a new band i think the guys were kind of offended by that a little bit so they kind of kept saying it's not it's not same band same guys for him (laughs) and um but in a way you know i don't know how they would feel but i think that in a weird way we did kind of change it a little bit and 
And um, it did feel a little bit like a new band, which was cool because it was fresh. You had this right. new person in. And um, I think that was kind of something that was really there as it, making it feel that way. But um, certainly, you know, again, you have this history, you have this, this you know, all this uh, stuff you did, all these previous records, all many of them in the 80s, the band did. And I think they didn't you know, want to feel like, well, don't forget that. And like, sure. this is this is what set it up. And, you know, to this day, I mean, the, the bottom line is that, you know, it's hard enough to compete with a lot of other bands. And for Anthrax, some of our years were while I was in the band, it was competing with your same band. And so that's <laughs> yeah. it's hard enough. You're like competing. Hey, we can beat the we're better right. than them. We're, yeah. And in the end, it was like, well, we're competing with ourselves mostly. And that's a tough thing to do. So, um, you know, it was it was it was it was hard. But um, and then things are changing and metal was changing. And and then the record company, they just they laid the biggest egg in the world with because um, they they fired so many people after White Noise and yeah. brought in all these new people um, for our follow up. And, you know, we had a meeting with Sylvia Roan, who's the, the person who took over the, the label. And Bob Krasnow, who had, who had been there for years, was was fired. He was the head of the label. And um, they canned him. And um, she came in. And I remember having a meeting really pretty much after Stomp was completed. And, um, you know, all excited about our new record. And she basically, I don't remember verbatim, but, you know, I don't, I'm kind of adding to the story perhaps, but she basically said, I, I wouldn't have made this deal with you guys. I wouldn't have done it. You know, if it was me and I was here right. and we're like, uh, okay, <laughs> well, we have a new record. Here you go. <laughs> How's this going to pan out? Doesn't sound oh, too man, good. Yeah. But, you know, that's like the, the don't really want to hear that right. from the head of the label. Sure. Right. When you just finish a record, yeah, definitely. this doesn't sound like a good thing. And it and it wasn't, you know, they basically just they just they didn't care. And, yeah. um, you know, so it was and the, and the guy who signed the band, Steve Rabowski, I believe his name was he he was he was let go. And, and you know, when your A&R guy is, is cut loose and, you know, it's like you're you're out in an island at that right. point. And. Yeah. It wasn't good. So, I mean, unfortunately, there was a drop in sales significantly from there. And, you know, well, look, I mean, my personal opinion is it wasn't completely justified. There's some really great moments in Stomp. You maybe didn't have quite the same vibe as Sound Away Noise did. But, um, you know, we were like, OK, we're screwed here. Like, yeah. let's give it a better, give it our best <laughs> shot. But it was pretty bad. Well, I know you have. Uh, to get going soon. I do have a couple more quick questions. Y'all go, shoot. I'm just curious, um, you know, it's, did you have, did your paths cross a lot with Metallica in your time with Anthrax? Because it's interesting that, you know, you had all this history with them in Saint and now Anthrax has all this history with them as well. Did your paths cross a lot with them during your time with Anthrax? Uh, you know, it's weird. We were on the same label because we signed to Elektra and, right. and so was Metallica. Um, but I don't remember doing any shows, actually. Um, I think I would remember that. And I, I don't. Uh, um, I think those those came later, of course, uh, especially with the big four and yeah. things like that. But um, no, I, you know, I think they crossed probably in circles and, you know, hanging out and this and that. But I don't remember, you know, we, I don't remember doing any shows, uh, not even maybe festivals. I don't even remember that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, which, you yeah, know, whatever, it's just the way it was. Again, it was the nineties were just different and they were, they, they didn't have the same kind of, I think people were kind of doing their own thing. And, um, that kind of that nostalgia 
um, that certainly, you know, helped things like the big four and, and, and that kind of that, uh, excitement about the eighties. It wasn't, it wasn't actually there yet unless you were still from the eighties, but that excitement, it's, it took some time. It, like a lot of things, it needed to kind of go away. And then sure. the excitement and nostalgic is what brought it back. Is That's at least my perspective on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and and I think that's, I think that's, I would feel the same way about sometimes or the Armored Saint world that, you know, right. our night, well, I was in, I was in Anthrax in the 90s. But in any case, I think like a lot of things, time has to go by and then things become a little more alluring and um, special and you kind of yearn for it. And then I think that's what happened to kind of keep that excitement going for, or get that excitement going for all the stuff that followed when those bands got together and played like, like the big four and stuff. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Cause even when you look at the output from the big four in the nineties, including your time with anthrax, of course uh, you know, each band was kind of going different directions moving a farther away from the you know their classic 80s sound so to speak um but you know i want to make sure of course we talk about punching the sky out october 23rd uh because it's i, I love living the past with you but i really, <laughs> i really enjoyed the the two new songs you, you got new music coming out so what can we expect from uh punching the sky and uh and i'm curious if you know did what what was the effect that COVID had on the recording or the writing of the project? Or, well, we were fortunate enough to not be affected by holding it, holding up the record because right. we were done with all the recording process, which is, which was we were fortunate. We basically just gave, uh, you know, the the recordings to Jay Rustin and he mixed it, and that we were very fortunate with that because um, normally, well. Armored Saint uh, can have some bad luck sometimes with timing and it would be just our, our, our circumstances to have it all go south when that happened. But um, it, we did. We were lucky enough to say, we're done. Here you go. And he could just go in his studio and, and, and mix it. Right. So and he didn't want to he probably didn't want any of us present during that anyway. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like send us some mixes and we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how much we love them. But we're lucky <laughs> that way. Um, as far as the writing, you know, none of that was a factor. Um, I do think that life has a funny way of affecting songs differently. And I've been saying this a lot lately with our record and uh, the way I kind of approach writing lyrics these days is a little bit more like I, I really it's impossible, of course, to not have some social commentary in the last couple sure, of years about yeah. everything that's gone on. But um, but I also don't want it to feel like it's in a capsule. So I think right. it's important to kind of to write things that can maybe be affected later by some other circumstances. And in this short amount of time, just a couple of songs already has felt that way. And I'm really, it makes me so stoked because something different will happen and it'll go, it'll make me go, Oh my goodness. Like the song, we have a song called bubble and it was, it was, it was written more about this kind of the theory is about kind of getting in something and, then not wanting to be where you're at and wanting to be removed. That's just the kind of general theme behind it. But then next thing we know, everyone's talking about the bubble. You got to be in the bubble. And, <laughs> and we're like, I was like, holy moly, like that's yeah, pretty weird right. because it had nothing to do with that, but it just connected. And same thing with giants, uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. We did this video and uh, the first kind of version of the video was, it was actually quite terrible. It was this kind of weird theme with this other guy. And then, we're like, we, we don't want that in the video. It's terrible. Um, 
kind of offended the, the, the director, but, um, and then he kind of redid some editing and then all of a sudden he put in all these really cool kind of nature shots of mountains and forests. And then all of a sudden the fire started happening. And then, then it was just, it was, it was the song and the meaning of the song and, and the video, it all just took on this kind of whole different wow, meaning yeah. that it originally did lyrically. Right. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is genius. You know, it's, <laughs> and it's not even planned that way. Yeah. So um, it was really cool. So a lot of lyrics on this album are, are, are slightly ambiguous, but yet connect at the same time. I'm really proud of them and try not to repeat myself when it comes to lyrics. And musically, I think we... You know, we just keep growing, we keep progressing as writers. And, um, you know, we have the songs that just kind of hit you in the face. And then there's mm -hmm. stuff that's a little bit more um, uh, ethereal, if you will, and 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 has some uh, a lot more arrangements going on and different uh, vibes with different instruments. And um, we're just open to doing that. And right. I think it all adds to the, the depth of the sound of the band now and you know, it's always going to sound like saying it's just a hard rock sure. slash metal band that kind of rooted in groove and rooted in you know a lot of soulfulness. But um, it's you know, it's just we can we feel like we can do a lot of things and we're really confident with it. You know, it's not like we're doing this and going, well, let's throw this out there and see what happens. And we're not trying to just do it in a way where it's, you know, I now I'm going to write my trip hop, you know, <laughs> electronic, you know, thing. Can you follow along? Yeah, right. We're not trying to be yeah. pompous about it. We're right. just going, wow, this kind of feels like it has this kind of feeling. Sure. It would kind of go this way. Let's roll with it. And we do. And in next thing you know, I think as long as my voice is on it and and it has some riff that just sounds like vintage saint, sure, yeah. it seems to work. So. Yeah. That's kind of where we're at. So I think it's a great record. I'm really proud. It sounds very modern, but it sounds it sounds like something that is is produced and recorded by a bunch of guys who made records in the '80s. So there's awesome. a combination of that. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing. And I know you guys also have the virtual record release party coming up on October 10th. Uh, what can fans expect from that? Well, you know, it's going to be strange because uh, a lot of people are doing it because this is all we can do right, right now. Yeah. But um, and we wanted to you make a new record. You want to play these songs live. Of course, that's, you know, everyone's excited to do that. Sure. And we can't. So uh, <laughs> it's a little weird. But um, at the same time, uh, we wanted to do this thing at the Whiskey A Go Go. It's October 10th. And um, and um, it's going to be fun. We're going to play some new songs and we're going to play some kind of deeper tracks and um and some classics, you know, and it'll awesome. be fun. We're going to be playing the cameras and it'll be weird. And, you know, originally we were hoping that maybe we would get, like when we talked about this a few months ago, we thought, okay, maybe we'll get 50 people. And then we're like, hey, maybe we can get 200 people. And now it's like, maybe we'll get 10 people, you know, and they'll <laughs> all right, be related yeah. <laughs> to the band. But, um, but you know, I think it'll be fun and, yeah. and it'll be challenging. It'll probably be a little awkward, but, um, but just, you know, we play. Well, It'll be a little bit of a glorified rehearsal and we'll, we'll have a fun time. Yeah. I mean, obviously you guys are looking forward to playing live and the fans are dying to see live music again. So there's definitely, I think going to be a big turnout, especially with the new record coming out and getting a chance to hopefully hear a few of the new songs live. Um, I'm, I, I know you got to get going. I, I, I really curious though, before we sign off, um, do you have a favorite Metallica album? Wow, do I have a favorite Metallic album? Well, you know, no the thing about Metallica, <laughs> and I'm not just saying this because, you know, I mean, I really believe 
you know, they are the biggest band in the world, not just the biggest metal band in the world, but, you know, arguably the biggest band in the world and have been for a long time. And the cool thing about Metallica is that at times when they, they just said, we're take we're doing this and, and they stuck their neck out. Sometimes they would get some grief for it. And I always thought, even if I didn't love it, I always said, well, that's cool. That's cool that they're doing that, whether it's playing with the orchestra or, you know, changing by their image and and saying we're going to make, you know, these load and reload records, which has some great songs on it, um, but is is a bit adventurous for them. And outside the box, you know, it was it was a chance. It was they were willing to do that and um, and take these risks. And I think that's really, really admirable because they could just do the same thing and um probably they would still have a couple records that people that you know people would be like eh you know and um, yeah. i mean obviously when i say eh, it's still millions right. are doing eh. <laughs> but you know like it's when you make a rack when you're a band around for so long like they are um the truth of the matter i think is that you know it's impossible it's impossible to put out a record that's going to be master of puppets every time right it's just not possible it's just impossible who's done that who's ever done that the rolling stones you know led zeppelin you know i mean no it, everybody had a couple well and you're going to do that especially and those bands well the stones have been around that long certainly zeppelin wasn't or the beatles you know metallica's been around for yeah. you know 40 years now um right. and so it's it's hard and you, again back to what i was saying kind of you're still competing with yourself to do music that is that is at a high level of quality where you're taking chances but you're still trying to say this is you know what we do and um so i know i went on kind of a long roundabout way of saying that so i don't know i mean you know i think the black album was probably a pretty amazing record even though that was years later yeah. for me as a guy who started with them um it would be easy to say ah yeah i'll kill them all but you know, i think the black album is the reason that it all just exploded. And that was, you know, that was probably their special moment, you know? Right. And, um, I mean, a lot of them are, and certainly a lot of songs are, but, um, and then they, well, they went on to take some risk and do some things. And, you know, I, I really admire that. I really do. So, um, you know, that's, that's why they are where they're at. You can't just kind of redo it all the time. You have to t do, take some chances. And I, I, like I said, I really, you know, I, I admire them for that. John, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on Metallicast and talk to me. Um, Punching the Sky is out everywhere on Metal Blade Records on October 23rd, the virtual record release party, Saturday, October 10th. Um, I'm really looking forward to checking out both. Like I said, what I've heard so far just sounds great. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Um, awesome. Thanks for having me on. And uh Stay safe, stay safe and stay healthy there. Same to you. And if you ever want to come back on, you're more than welcome, sir. All right. I'd love to. Maybe, a, you know, a couple months after the record's out and, and you know, we'll have some people talk about it or something. That'd be fun. Awesome. Sounds good to me. Okay, great. All right. Thanks, John. All right. Bye. Bye. You and Dimes, it's a day you both know it's all been planned. Quartet of the lyrics right. Sit on once, sit on twice. These will confess it now. Take your life Onto the dead
I want to thank John Bush for coming on Metallicast. It was a real honor to speak to him about his career and about Metallica. He was so gracious with his time, so willing to answer any and all questions. I really appreciate it. I would love to have him, as well as any other members of Armored Saint, on the show in the future to do some kind of follow-up. But either way, having this one interview with him was a real, real honor. Like I said, he is one of my favorite vocalists. Ever since I heard Sound of White Noise, I have been a John Bush fan, and I just really admire his work. He is a legend. And please make sure you check out the new Armor Saint album, Punch in the Sky, out everywhere on October 23rd via Metal Blade Records. I'm not lying when I say the two songs they've released so far are legitimately great. If you are a fan of his work, you will definitely, definitely enjoy the new songs. So check it out. And let's support Armor Saint by purchasing tickets for their virtual record release party coming at you live from the Whiskey A Go Go on Saturday, October 10th. You can find out all information about that event on armoredsaint.com, which there is a link to in the episode description. And yes, I am aware I made a mistake. I told John that Kill 'Em All came out in May 1983, when in fact it came out July 1983, July 25th, 1983 to be exact. I just want to recognize my mistake and let you all know before you email me, metallicastfansonexpress.com, before you at me at metallicastpod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to let me know how much of a fuck up I am. I am well aware I made the mistake. Okay? And I know when the album came out. So, anyways, now that that is out of the way, in all seriousness, please feel free to email me. Please at me on social media. And download, subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All those little things go a long way in helping the podcast continue to grow and to help me get great guests like John Bush on Metallicast. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah! Fans not experts.